0: Let's get
1: down to business, thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me
0: a manual,
1: a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. now, now, now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Massive Joes Show podcast, Fitness Times Business. My name is Joseph Menzel, CEO of Massive Joes. I am your host and I'm joined in this episode number 18. I massive Joe's, general manager, my a better. I'm better. A better. A better. was a better. like a like a co conspirator. An aider? <laughs> aider an and a bet. Aider an and a bet. Steve Mills. Hello. What's happening, baby? Back again. in a row for you, mate. Fucking hat trick of podcasts. I don't think I need to be the accomplice anymore. It's, I need a... well, to I need a more permanent title. That's why I'm getting a... listen, I'll be Batman, you be Robin. How does that sound? <laughs> get fucked (laughs) (laughs) we're joined in this episode 18 of the massive joe's show podcast by a very special guest massive joe's sponsored athlete ifbb 212 pro bodybuilder olympia qualified for 2019 i might add aaron pilates in the house <laughs> you have to say something. I love that. Lo- <laughs> Aaron's like sitting, sitting back, sitting back. If you're not watching this, he's sitting back, hitting the front double biceps.
2: <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love the enthusiasm. I love, uh, I love it.
1: Shit, welcome, man. Yeah. Welcome to, uh, well, I mean, technically, this is your first time in the ADL. You said you've been before, but like 20 years ago. Yeah, so let's go, welcome to the ADL, your first time in the ADL. First time here at Massive Joe's headquarters. His name's course. all over the town. <laughs> Pilates is pasted all over Adelaide. For those of you who don't know, the Pilates family here in Adelaide owned it. Owns half the properties here in LA. commercial real estate here. So Aaron was doing morning cardio this morning, right? Yeah. Down at Glenelg, where we've got you stayed, and you like your last name's like all over Glenelg. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this is my town, so
2: classic stitch up. Yeah, a lot of people have sent me that. Obviously, the photos of the Pilates. And I never knew where it was, and I was just walking along doing my cardio this morning on the beach there. And then yeah. I'm like, "There's that building with Pilates
1: everywhere, all yeah. over it." So. One of the buildings. Yeah, nice, nice nice place. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the ADL, man. Welcome to MJHQ. And welcome to your first appearance on the Massive Joe Show podcast, Fitness Times Business. Now, for those of you tuning in for the first time, because we always do have people tuning in for the first time uh, each and every new episode that we drop, the overall topic of this podcast is Fitness Times Business. And what we like to do when we have a special guest, such as Aaron, when we do an interview style podcast, is we like to talk about their personal journey both in fitness and in business so that's what we're going to do but before we get there Aaron I want to just introduce yourself for the listeners and the viewers who may not know you know this is the first time they're being introduced to you give us a little bit of uh who is Aaron Pilates
2: okay a little two-minute rundown um Aaron Pilates yeah born in Melbourne um Thirty years old. Um, I didn't realize
1: you were born in Melbourne. Didn't
2: you? yeah, Been I moved to Gold Coast when I was fifteen. Yeah, so half my life there, half my life on the Gold Coast. Yeah, um, be competing with the, So I started bodybuilding. I started training like about 15, 16 years old for football when mm-hmm. I was in high school because mm-hmm. I was I was a smaller guy, but I loved footy, so I wanted to be a bit thicker. So I started training f- for footy, and then um, trained from fifteen year to pretty much the whole time, and. Just sort of fell in love with the training. I guess I raced motocross, played football, played basketball. Ironically, even though I was so short, you know. Um, <laughs> um, then I, <laughs> Actually, I, I was starter. a high-scoring shooter at school till I was like, to grade eleven. And then after that, they just started getting too tall. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just, I quit after that. <laughs> and <laughs> realized I was never going to have a future. Like I was always sport obsessed, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I wanted to always be the best at whatever I did, and raced motocross, and um, all I did was just break almost every bone in my body. Like I broke wrists, legs, collarbones, and realized that I. That wasn't for me either. Yeah. Then I played a footy. I was not bad at footy. Got best in first in grand finals and runner up. Just clear it up.
0: When you're talking footy, are you talking footy like us, or are you talking NRL? I was your rules. I was your rules.
1: I I'm from, I'm footy. from, I'm I'm from, from Melbourne. Magic, yeah. I'm
2: a true. Richmond supporter. Okay, yeah, right. Tigers. There
1: you go.
2: Um, yeah. So yeah. And then same with footy. Like I, I should, I wish I applied the same um, diligence I have now to bodybuilding to football when I was younger. Yeah. But even then, these days, man, football players, they're, they're all everyone's tall, man. Like a short mm-hmm. football player, like Gary Ablett, still six foot tall. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was obsessed with footy, but then um, yeah, same thing started getting injuries, and then the, it actually then I re, when I really went serious with bodybuilding, I had a shoulder reconstruction, and the doctor was like, just 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 quit everything and go to the gym and just revamp your shoulder, and then I just sort of dropped all the sports and started training more seriously at that point. How old were you when that happened? That was like twenty one, and then I was just pretty much dropped all the other sports, and plus I couldn't afford the time off work anymore. You know, like I break my wrist and fourteen weeks off work. Yeah. Race and motocross, and then you could you potentially lose your job at that point. So that's when when you get to that point, we like can't really have any more time off work with these yeah, injuries. Yeah. Then I had yeah. a shoulder reconstruction. Yeah. Then I had that was the only time I had time off training. I had like a year and a half off because it was a mm. big reconstruction, mm. my right shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, I just come back to training, and then I was just training. To be honest, it was just to pick up girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, I was Aesthetic one of those guys. Purposes. I was one of. That's why I don't knock out those guys that. I was into festivals then partying. I just wanted to look good. And then I, yeah. all the sport was gone. I still had that that fire in my belly in the back of my head that I, I always I missed I needed something, you know. Like as much as I love in the party scene and going out and, and looking as good as I could, I was like I didn't feel complete when I wasn't doing a sport. Yeah. And then I was like, I've got to do something, man. I'm going crazy. I, I just can't be I can't just go to work every day and just not be doing a sport, so then I, I went to World Gym Ashmore one day, and um and Logan Robson and um said to me, oh you should do bodybuilding, like can we compete, and I was like, nah, I will I'll get smashed. And he's like, he it took him about six months to convince me, and then I um I finally went, ah, all right, no, I went to Vegas one more time, like as for a party, and that was, that I said I'm done with partying, and everyone was like, oh whatever, and that was that was literally it. I, when I say I'm done, I never. Drank from that point on, pretty much. And I did my first bodybuilding show in 2013 and i um, with under Logan Robson. Yeah. And I won that show as a an And you
1: were o- what, like 23, 24
2: at that point? 24, just turned. So I was almost a junior. Yeah. I, um, I just turned. I should have competed earlier. Like I won that show and I, but you always think like you're not big enough, you know, sort of thing. So, and I guess I got the bug after that. So I went on to, I think I lost, I got second in one show, like one after that. And then I pretty much won all. The next maybe six straight, I think. And then within like three years, I won a FedEx, um, Australasia title, two Mr. Australias. And then I said to myself, I want to win every title in the country mm-hmm. and then I'll turn pro. Mm-hmm. And then I won Arnold Classic, um, went to America, got seventh over there. And then, yeah, come back and won the Arnold Classic the week after that. Yeah. Then I sort of happened. It sort of started happening quicker than I thought. Like I almost won the overall at, at, at the Arnold's at eighty kilos because mm. I, I I I was second in that overall to Atif and I only lost by two points. Mm. And I wasn't taking it that seriously to be honest. Like I, when Arnie walked on the stage, I ran off the side of the stage, like trying to get selfies with Arnie. Like I wasn't <laughs> trying to win a pro car then, man. Yeah. I never had that thought in my head. Yeah. And I'd won every title, but I just didn't feel worthy, and I wasn't worthy then. Mm. But I almost won it. Mm. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'm gonna. Really take this seriously now. And then after that, Arnold classic win. I, I was, I had a two-year plan to win the Pro Card, mm-hmm. and then the next year I um won Mr. Australia again, and then went third overall, and I lost in a split decision to Sam. Yeah. So apparently they had eight judges that year, which is odd. Oh, usually there's an odd number, and there was four and four, so mm-hmm. it was a draw, mm-hmm. which I've never really heard. And then that was heartbreaking, man. Like to me, that that was the hardest loss that I ever suffered. You know. Actually, it was two years later, yeah, and then I just, um, yeah, like when you put your heart and soul on it, I thought I was going to win it. And then, yeah, I always quit after that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think I didn't train for like a, six weeks, like five weeks. Mm-hmm. um, Sort of disappeared, didn't want to talk to anyone. Like, I just, yeah, but um, I ended up coming back bigger and better than ever and I eventually came back after that and won my pro card in 2017.
1: So At the same show I won my pro card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the Oceania.
2: You know, it's funny. I've I've said this lots of times before on social media, but when you, um, well, when I started my career, I was used to you get you get so used to winning, sort of thing. When you're winning a lot, when you're winning ninety percent of them, you always become, I wouldn't say cocky, like complacent, like you're like I'm gonna. I was confident I was going to win all the time. Yeah. Like, to be honest, without sounding, sounding cocky, I was just really confident. When you win seven, Mr. Queensland straight, I mm. never never lost one. Like, mm. yeah, and I needed that loss. I look back at it now, I'm like... To anyone else that's gonna that goes through these things in your life, when you get knocked down, lose a job, or lose something like that, Mm -hmm. sometimes you need these things to Mm -hmm. really give you a bit of a smack of reality and to make you better. Mm -hmm. Because after that loss, as bad as it was, like I wanted to quit. I didn't even go back to World Gym Ashmore because I didn't want to talk to anyone. Because whether they said. You just, oh, you got ripped off. You should have won. That didn't make me feel good because I I don't want to hear that I got ripped off. And then, or if they went the other way and got, oh, yeah, it was close. But, you know, Sam got you. That didn't make me feel good either. So I didn't want to speak to anyone for any opinions. And everyone wants to give me their opinion. So I just disappeared. I didn't go back to Ashmore for weeks. And I was going to, people didn't know, but I was going to World Gym Surfers late at night. And not talking to anyone late and training on my own and then I'm just hiding for mm. a month I didn't want to speak to anyone like, mm. and then everyone was sort of into my ear like Logan all my boys like you, you've got to come back and I was like fuck this I don't I've got to quit bodybuilding all this stuff you know and, yeah. Um, And you want to quit you know mm. I've, I've spoken to lots of guys like that like, I remember Josh after he after down the classic he was knocked knocked down and out That's and Josh Martowitz, Martowitz yeah. and I was speaking to him on the phone and he's down and out sort of thing and bodybuilders get like that sometimes you want to quit everything and because you put your life and soul into, into these things, you know, and with preps, you can go into a dark places where you put your – and then when you lose, it's like it's like half a year of work.
1: And you're it's like, almost like you, you get to the point where because you sacrifice so much during a prep and you, you know, when you don't get the result that you were hoping to get, you kind of – your your mind starts going – Almost like fuck! What a waste! Yeah, it's like was it worth it? It's like was it worth it? Exactly. Yeah. It's like fuck! I sacrificed that much, especially in something like that split decision with Sam. Yeah, it was the closest way you could ever lose. You're like fuck! Like you, it, you almost. It's almost like like what I've experienced in the past, where I've had those sorts of losses, and you were there uh, in 2016.
0: Yeah, well, that Nationals. was up in, uh, over in Sydney. Maroubra Beach, when we were standing in Maroubra. What yeah. Was it standing in Maroubra? Yeah. 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 And it was like. But I remember that night is is you lost. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. It, it could have gone either way, really. Yeah. And, and, but you'd put everything into that. Yeah. And I remember you didn't sleep that night. No. You went, you went, Joe went to the gym at 2 a.m. and yeah. trained. Yeah. And um, the night after the comp because you couldn't sleep and just, yeah,
1: yeah, that. But you almost get, you almost go into this place where it's, you almost kind of like feel guilty about it. Like, that's what I I was like. You feel like you let people down. Yeah, I I was just going to say that. That's what it is. You know, you feel like you let the people down who are close to you who you sacrifice time and experiences with to go and do the prep you feel like you let down your fans and your supporters down yeah. it's just this like overwhelming and it's completely fucking out of your control we know this right yeah we know that it's a subjective sport and you know when there's a split decision or you know whatever it's completely out of your control you've done everything you can do but you still feel like you've let people down yeah that's kind And of when hard, your family really come and
2: it. watch you as well and yeah. you know the funny thing is my family f- always fly they flew to America to watch me as, as yeah. an amateur they actually surprised me they rocked up at Gold's gym yeah I didn't know that to watch me over there so yeah. they they're very supportive and that was the first show the one I lost was mm. the first show they didn't come to mm. and it's like I'd never lost they'd never seen me lose yeah. ever in yeah. any show yeah um they were like my lucky charms and they didn't come that year because they had a wedding to go to so yeah. but I you know, I felt like I let them down and my mates because you, you feel like almost like you're not going to – you always start planning. I planned to compete and go straight to Tampa Pro and like yeah. I had all these plans and yeah. it's just like oh, – yeah, you feel like you let everyone down and you feel like way. a failure, you know. Yeah, but, um, big time. I guess so, that's – got to learn – I told my athletes that I coach that. I'm like you need to learn – guys that are competing for their first show, you need to learn how to lose oh, yeah. and how to lose – don't – there's a couple of things like how to personally move on and 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 um, take it in a positive way and become better, mm-hmm. and how to handle yourself on stage as well. Don't mm. you got to be professional about it as well? Mm. Don't crack the socks or you got to be. You're just going to take it on the chin and is what it is. It's sport. It's a subjective sport, you know. 100%. And um, be professional about it. And yep. um, you know, you can't go on social media after giving your opinion. Oh, I got ripped. I've seen some guys just make r- complete fools, oh, fools of themselves. themselves. Yeah. And even if, to be honest, even if you were ripped off. Next level, cold hard ripped off. It was nothing you will ever put on social media will ever change it, mm. and you will, will not make it even better. People aren't stupid. You just just move better. If you just, as I tell my athletes just move on yeah. straight away. Put it put it to bed yeah. and bottle all that any anger or anything up. Bottle it up, like I've heard Kyle Green talk about it, and mm. then go to the gym and use it, and use just it. and make it. Affect you in a positive way,
1: and then use it as fuel. Yeah, exactly. To push you to the next level. Because
2: I know when after that loss, when I eventually did come back, I'd ne- I was never ever. I was like a psychopath, man. Mm. I was like someone that was possessed. I, yeah. random guys come up to me in the gym, like saying to me, the whole off season, like man, you're yeah. off, you, you're like you're possessed. Every day was like it was a one-week out. Every session I was training like my family's life was on the line. The whole year, I did not go anywhere that entire year. I I wouldn't even want to go to Byron Bay, which is like a 40-minute drive. I didn't want to leave anywhere outside of a certain circle of my house Mm. in the gym, I was so focused. I Mm. didn't want to, if it had nothing to do with bodybuilding, I didn't want to know about it. I was like, when I'm coming back, I'm going to win unanimously and I'm not going to be close, no split decisions. And that's exactly what happened. I Mm. was unanimous, you know? So there's
1: this, there's this, this, this kind of cliche saying where, you know, people say that you all, you learn a lot more when you lose Mm. than when you win. Right. It's like the struggles develop strength type thing. Yeah. yeah. Always the, the lessons that you learn during a loss or during a failure or during a setback or whatever it is, is far more valuable than anything that you can learn during a win. Yeah. My question to you is there's two ways that people generally deal with loss and generally deal with failure. Right. One way is what we've just spoken about is, you know, obviously you go through a period where you're upset and whatever, but then you're able to kind of pull yourself out of that and flip it, flip it on its head to the point where you start using it as fuel to take you to the next level. The other way to deal with it is to allow the loss and the failure to kind of hang around like a, like a dark cloud and you kind of never get over it. You know and it, it, it doesn't you don't use it as fuel to push you to the next level yeah it effectively becomes something that pushes you down yeah so how are you able to do the first thing how are you able like what what tips what tricks what mindset what internal talk did you use to make sure that you use the failure to push you to the next level instead of push you down I feel like you've got to. There's, it's like it's like losing a loved
2: one. You got there's like a grieving period, mm-hmm. and you cannot skip this. You can yeah. pretend that you're going to skip it, but you just have to grieve. And like the, the next, I don't. From honestly, it took me it took me about eight weeks to get over that one. It was a long time, mm-hmm. so I sort of just let it let it be for what it is, and. um Went through that little grieving phase. I was just separated myself from everyone for a while. Just as I said, I left the gym. I just removed myself from the situation. Had yeah. a week. I think I had two weeks off the gym. Mm-hmm. Rested completely, mm-hmm. which makes you miss the gym always. Mm-hmm. And then um, reminded myself that why I even started bodybuilding wasn't... I never started bodybuilding to become a pro, to be honest. I just yeah. liked training. Yeah. I just liked competition. I never mm-hmm. said I was going to be a pro bodybuilder. I just reminded myself why I started. And, and I love training. I don't want to quit training. Mm-hmm. So... Then I just slowly ease my way back into it and just focus on why I like training. And then, as I said, this, after a few few weeks passed, I started just to the the grieving period just wore off, and then I ha- all of a sudden had the fire back. And I and I and I'm, as I said, I'm a sport fanatic. Of I look at things like look at Jordan's story, you know how he got refused by the high school basketball team, yeah, and then become the, one of the, arguably the greatest player in the world. Mm-hmm. How many times you hear that these stories like that? You know, it's so common, guys getting knocked down. And and mine wasn't even close to being as bad as that, you know. It was just I lost in a split decision in a -hmm. a subjective sport. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of woke myself up. I'm like, dude, like, you've won every Mr. Australia that you've ever attempted. I've never lost a Mr. Australia. Like I lost in a split decision a subjective sport. He was tall. I was short. We're actually separate divisions. I'm 212. He was pro. And I sort of gave myself a reality check. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. Mm. And you you can turn this around. And then I just just pep talk yourself and then eventually it's just bang fires back
0: yeah that's the big then... big thing we spoke about in last week's podcast is using things as motivation yeah. and, uh, for your why for why you're doing things uh-huh. and, and for what you're doing when nobody's watching and, yeah. and those things is where you have that can you go to the gym or do I, am i going to stay home and fucking soak in the corner um is using that that loss as a motivation as you said come back and make sure you're unanimous, so unanimous win that next time um i mean if you don't come back like the, you're letting them, even though there's no no direct attack at you, but you're letting them win. Like the other judges, like the, the yeah, you, 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 there's no the winner. The system, yeah, the you're system. You're letting the system win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And before, and you got to remember, bodybuilding is not as definitive as basketball or 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 you mixed martial arts. Like you get knocked out, subjective. you got knocked out. That's it. You that was that was your doing. Yeah, but bodybuilding when you lose you, you sometimes you don't really you didn't really lose as i said it's it's, it's it is subjective yeah it, and when it's that close it can be 50 50 so mm-hmm. you so did you lose or it, it's just a, that day it was apples and oranges and it literally was apples and oranges he's six, he's six foot two i'm five foot five like some guys like shorts Some guys we're actually as i said we're different divisions so i just gave myself a wake-up call i'm like man it wasn't that bad like and mm-hmm. then and i always think of the future i always my whole entire life this is why i work so hard in and out of the gym. In all aspects, because I always think about when I'm 40 or 50, I always have this vision of like when I'm sitting there 50 years old and I just don't want to have that feeling. It gives me anxiety thinking about it. I don't want to look back when I'm 50 or 60 mm-hmm. and be like, why don't I try harder? Yeah. Why?" Do I, I never want to be – I always talk about this. Like, I, I, would like rather, yeah. I love the saying where it's like I'd rather be – Tired mm. from working hard my whole life, then well rested and have achieved nothing. Yeah, I just cannot, and I have th- thought about that. I imagine if I quit this now. Yeah, I'll be one of those drunks at the pubs in fifty years, going, "Oh, I was almost a pro bodybuilder," and everyone's like, oh, "Shut up." Yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, those guys he's at he's the polite, pubs, are like, oh, look at my when I was You hear them all the time. Like, yeah. I almost made AFL forty. Yeah. everyone's like, "Whatever, you loser." Like yeah. I was like, "I'm not being one of those guys." Like yeah. no way. Like I'm not letting this go. So just uh, them, them sort of pep talks daily and then eventually you just flip it you flip it on its head
1: yeah. so i call i've got a name for what you just described i call it regret mitigation yeah so a lot of people are you know no regrets no regrets i don't want to have any regrets which practically is bullshit, right yeah. you're always going to have regrets about something right so many things happen in your life that you're like fuck! i wish i didn't do that or i wish i did that didn't happen or whatever it is everything happens for a reason of course And you can only ever join the dots of your life looking backwards, you can't join them looking forwards. But the no regrets thing is just practically bullshit. So I like to think of it as what I call regret mitigation, which is exactly what you just described. It's like when you're, you know, you said 50, I'm like, I'm go a bit further. I'm like, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to be able to look back on my life and have made the decisions that have led me to the path of least regret. Which is how I like to look at it. Because you're always going to regret shit. You're always going to regret something. I just want to make sure that my path is the path of least regret. And that's what I call regret mitigation. I
0: think you can look back at any point though and, and use that to, to better your choices moving forwards as well. 100%. Like for, yeah. for Aaron, if it, if it was bodybuilding, giving up, but yeah. really if he looks back 10 years and he gave up playing footy yeah. for example yeah. and then he's like fuck up, I wish I hadn't given up playing footy I wish yeah. I tried a bit harder well you yeah. can put that into bodybuilding yeah. um, I mean the same as me with with footy if I, if I probably didn't fucking start chasing girls and Love and bourbon, then like <laughs> you can use that for. It's like we all went through that phase. <laughs> hey? Everyone's like ours, everyone yeah. The thing is, yeah. when you're 18, and yeah, you got fucking your mates around you, and yeah. you start drinking and hanging out with mates, then yeah, your priorities change. Yeah. But but that's the thing where you said about connecting the dots and then looking backwards mm. or looking forwards, and then yeah you look and think oh fuck if i had to actually put in like this time around i i'm on another good thing here yeah being bodybuilding and and this time around i'm not going to fucking give it up because of a stupid decision or because of whatever it may be 100%. um yeah and you can only really do that by by looking back and even if if that's not 50 years 60 years old 70 years old whatever that may be yeah even at 30 you can look back and think well fuck what would have i done differently when i was 20 or yeah. even
1: 25 or or whatever that may be yeah as you have, one of the things that I've, that I've noticed about you that is um, quite unique, especially in this sport, is you have an overwhelming calmness when it comes to patience and when it comes to worthiness as well. And you actually mentioned worthiness a little bit earlier when we were talking about, you were like, I wasn't worthy of winning a pro card. You know, I wasn't worthy of that title and that is something that, especially in this sport, especially now, and people well, well, agree with this. Well, the other thing is is the right? limp, What you were talking about last night with going into the Olympia as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially now in this moment in time, there's such a lack of patience in the sport. Everyone wants to do their first show, oh, yeah. turn pro, go straight to the Olympia or straight to the world titles, depending on the federation and win a world title within like 18 months. Yeah. I know. yeah. That's the, but that's the mindset now. And yeah. it's, it, it's so frustrating for me to look at. Uh, and you seem to have just this overwhelming cut. Like you understand how long the journey is and you have patience and you understand worthiness. You understand that you have to tick certain boxes and go through certain gates and effectively bide your time to the point where you become worthy of earning a pro card and worthy of qualifying for the Olympia and worthy of winning pro shows. Where does that come from?
2: Yeah, it's funny, like it's like I always have this map, I map everything out in my head, like yeah. how how I would want it to go. Yeah. And when I was an amateur I just thought, nah, like you see guys that literally I just start they wanna start competing, I wanna turn pro and I'm like, mm. Man I just wanted to win a Queensland title. I just wanted to win anything. And then I was like, you know what? I want to win a FedEx. That's the biggest show in Australia. I want to Mm. win that. And I was obsessed with that little goal. I was just taking it little increments and I won FedEx. Then I'm like, then I had people saying, oh, yeah, but you haven't won an Australian title. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that next. And I just wanted to achieve little things at a time. And I I was enjoying, Mm. I remember saying this exact thing, comment. I remember thinking, this is the funnest time of my life. When Mm. I was winning amateur shows, because I was winning – pretty comfortably at most times I was just loving doing that I was like I'm having a ball doing this I don't I pro didn't even run it from my brain yeah whatsoever the first first three years I was just having a ball mm. doing what I was doing and winning Mr. Australia it's pretty fun winning a Mr. Australia mm. and then winning it again and then winning it in a, the weight class above that when you're only one kilo into that weight class and still winning yeah like that I just love doing that. I didn't care and then the the crowd starts to speak before you speak oh mm. you should be a pro people were telling me I I should be pro I remember when I was in the under 80 class going oh yeah. you should be pro but I yeah. thought in my head no way I'm not I, just, I thought, I'm not pro yet. I shouldn't yeah. be pro. I was looking at YouTube videos and I'm like, I'm not on their level. And I look back and now and I was so much smaller and, and I was mm. right. Mm. I was not ready. Mm. And I didn't – I never wanted to be pro until I was ready. I was like well, – I always thought, I don't want to be like – not to hate on Australian pros, but I never want to win a pro card and do nothing with it. I yeah. thought I'll just keep having fun what I'm doing. I'm having a ball. And mm. then when I'm ready to be pro, I want to win a pro show pretty quick. Yeah. Which I, ironically what happened is I won the first pro show.
0: <laughs> but I, I thought I
2: want to be more than ready. I want them to literally throw the card at me. Like yeah. I don't want to be
0: Yeah.
2: everyone else. That's, that's what I truly believe. Others want the pro card for the different reason. They want it for the title of being a pro. Oh, I awesome. wanted it. To win competitions, I want it. Um, I like the competitive nature of the sport. I wanted to go to Mr. Olympia. I want to be winning pro shoes. I don't care about being labeled a pro. Yeah. Look at Justin Wessels at that point. I used to look at guys like that and think, they weren't going on pro. Hang on, Justin's unbeaten as an amateur for 20 years, got world titles and everything. I'm like, yeah. well, he should be pro then. Like, I'm not pro. Yeah. Like, that's the, the mindset I had. I, you know, there was amateurs that were better than me or had more titles than me. So I, I wanted to be really, really worthy and be like unanimously known i didn't want to just try and skip all the shows and then just try and steal a pro card somewhere the easiest possible yeah. one I, yeah. I was never like that i was going to pick always, the biggest yeah. i always picked the biggest and hardest shows i could do every arnold i did every arnold every yeah. FedEx i was like I, I went to ohio columbus i wanted to do the hardest to see truly where i was at yeah you know i don't want to lie to myself
0: do you remember, all, it's do, that, i was ahead. gonna say do you remember 2012 in sydney city gym when Ruley was training legs yeah yeah. Were you there that day? Is this, I, had a, is this I think I was, because I had a photo I, with him. I remember you were, because yeah. that's that's long what long this, ago, yeah. this is what I'm getting at, is, yeah. is I remember Joe and I uh, were there for the first time in uh-huh. City Gym, Sydney, and, yeah. and Rulie R- R- was training legs with grandma. grandma. Yeah, I was there. I was, yeah. I was training mm. in there, yeah. And I walked in, and then this dude, and I saw Logan there. Yeah. I'm like, Fuck. Look at the fucking size of this dude. <laughs> Logan yeah. was the first big like Logan was the first big dude I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you were there with him because I'm like, who the fuck's to do with the tattoos? Yeah. Because you had yeah. your sleeve. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like I'm like <laughs> These guys I'm, are monsters. Yeah, I'm like, I don't fucking belong here. Yeah, yeah. And and that was like seven that was seven years ago now. Yeah. yeah. So I mean seven years ago. You like I and for I me like, but, them. but but no but the thing is like I still remember you from that fucking one gym seven years ago yeah so mm. the thing is like that's how good your physique was seven years ago yeah like I don't yeah. think people realize that you fucking looked phenomenal seven years ago yeah yeah even though now you fucking would probably shit that Aaron out for breakfast yeah but the thing is is like it's not something that's just an an overnight thing that you've just suddenly put on muscle it's taken seven, eight, 10 years of actually training and fucking consistent competing. As you said, it's not just mm. competing in your first show and turning pro is, is that process of seven years of training from when you look there to even where you are now?
1: Yeah, the old, the old saying is uh, another one I'm pulling all these fucking cliche sayings, but it's, um, when you think you're good, you'll tell everybody when you actually are good They'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the that's the that's the champion mindset, right? And that's that's where you're coming from is you're like, man, you know, I I don't I wanna earn my place. I wanna yeah. do the most difficult shows. I wanna go up against the best. I wanna push myself to be better and then better again and then better again and then better again to the point where, like you said, people are fucking throwing the pro card at you. Yeah. Saying, Aaron, like this is yours now. Yeah, that that and, and I mean that's fuck, man. In this sport right now, that is so rare. Yeah, and that's why you are going to the Olympia this year.
2: I feel like that. that I, you pointed out to one of the biggest issues because I'm a coach now, so a lot right. of young guys come to me yeah. and they're like, "Oh, in the bodybuilding world, I'm young. Right. Like to be a." Olympia Pro 30 is, is a baby yeah. and then they come to me oh hey man I want to be a pro like you I want to go to the Olympia and mm. these guys have just started training or they're like two years into it yeah. and they think oh because you're young like I'm like man I I was doing it from 15 years old yeah. when no one wanted to train then I wasn't yeah. popular mm. um, and, and they want as I said they want it for the wrong reasons they don't want to turn pro it's like you shouldn't be even focusing on that you should be just you know, focus on the fundamental society and then maybe set your eyes on a state title and just en- enjoy being an amateur.
1: Yeah. Take it take it all in and enjoy it, you know? Like the journey is where the the real value is, right? Yeah, but that's still... Everyone what... chases the dust. De- and we've spoken about this on the show multiple episodes. Everyone chases the destination. They chase the pro card, they chase the Olympic qualification, they chase the they chase the destination. Rather than actually embracing the journey and you just have this overwhelming appreciation for the journey, you know, like yeah. you, that's, yeah, and you speak, you speak so, um, so passionately about, yeah, just enjoying Nobody wants to do the work, but nobody wants to do the the work to get there. No, yeah, that's it. That's That's what I'm saying. Within 18 months, I want to do my first show, fucking earn my pro card, make it to the Olympia, make it to the world championships, win a fucking whatever the fuck it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And then what? But that's how society like, –
0: and, and yeah, and that's just as we said before is what society is, get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. I've been training for fucking three months. What yeah. fucking cycle can you put me on? Like yeah. Yeah. that kind of shit yeah. where people just want it straight away. They don't want to put in the time. They don't want to put in the effort. Yeah,
2: And to show you another thing of like what my competitive nature and I, I like proving others wrong and doing it the way I want to do it is mm-hmm. when I was at the top of the amateur ranks and I'd won everything, people were saying, oh, I, I, that they should give me – Giving people pro cards, you could apply for them and that. And then on this forum one day, everyone everyone was like, Aaron should be pro. People started writing my name. And that's what I said. But eventually, you get to the point where they want to throw it at you. And people were saying that they were going to offer me a pro card and, um, should I, I I should apply for it. And I was like, nah. Mm. That was when I was after the loss with Sam. Mm. And I said, no, 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 I want to win it. Mm. And then, they are practically saying, like, you get, "We'll give it to you." You know, we'll apply for it. And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the nationals and I'm going to get redemption and yeah. I'm going to win it. My, I want to, I want to win it, yeah. and I want the feeling of winning it. I want that moment that I, that's the moment you're playing in your head all that time. You know, like that you reminisce all those early morning cardio as you think about that exact moment. You know,
1: yeah, so. yeah. So I'm really interested to know what drives this mindset. What drives this behaviour? Where does where does this overwhelming calmness and patience and understanding of worthiness where does it come from?
2: Um, possibly, maybe, possibly my father. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad's always been a bit of a role model in my life. You know, mm-hmm. and he's achieved a fair bit um, on a financial level, mm-hmm. and um, always been a crazy hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess I've got a lot of attributes from him. Yeah. You know, and like I said before, I just, I just have everything mapped out in my head how I want it to go, almost like a movie script. Yeah,
1: you know, like you I, got that vision, brother. Yeah,
2: like I, I'm very um, oh, it's a word, like sort of creative and dramatic in my head yeah. of how my life. I want my life to go. Like I spoke about, I think a few weeks ago, I put a status up. So I, was like, I was like, imagine your life, and imagine your your life is a movie, but you're the director, mm-hmm. and you can ultimately. Which is true. You can ultimately write your own story. Yeah. If you put the right work in, you can't control the universe, but you can pretty much almost write your own story. And that's how I treat my life. Like I pretend like a, it's like the Conor McGregor Notorious film. Yeah. Which I absolutely love that film Mm -hmm. because it it was just freaky. Like he just predicted everything. It was so confident. And so, and I took little bits out of that as well. Like he, it's like he knew the future. Mm -hmm. He was, if you watch the film, he's like, can't like a, like a calm killer. He's like, you watch. I'm gonna knock this guy out. I'll, I'll win this fight. Then the, the I'll go into the UFC. Next, next, next few fights, bang, in the UFC. Yeah. I'm gonna knock him out in the first round. First round. And then he gets the next fight. He'll he'll overextend with his left arm. I'll hit him with the right hook, and I'll knock him out inside the first round bam, does it exactly like It's freaky, man, like, as they call him, Mystic Mac. And I took so much out of that, like, that you become so confident you have so much belief. I feel like I know the future. Mm -hmm. And I even feel that way now. I said, I never go in public and say it because I don't want to come. I can't stand those guys that promise everything on social media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. 99% of them don't live up to it. Yeah. You know, I I want to be one of those guys to go out and do it. But I told my mates that I was going to. They knew I was going to turn pro, and I said yeah. that I would place top three in my first two pro shows. Mm. So I exceeded, and I said to um, Logan and Adam that I'll make the Olympia within the first two years, yeah. So I actually exceeded my, but I was very confident, and I wasn't that I was convinced that was going to happen. Mm. I was like, it's going, I, I, and I remember talking to people, and like, man, it's like you, you know, it's going to happen. And I'm like, it is, you can feel it. I'm not, like, and I don't go out. I put on social media because you come up as, I was cocky. I don't want to come up on social media as cocky, but I told my mates that I'm like, it will, it will happen. Yeah. Like, just like I say to them, I'll be top five in the Olympia. Whether it's this year or the next year, it's going to happen. I, it would, you, you, you just sit back and watch. And I say it to them because they're my mates and I don't care. Like they're my mates, but I don't go yeah. put on social media. Yeah. But I just truly believe like, I, it's like when you believe that much, you wake up every day with purpose and it's like, you know, what's going to happen. I know what work I have to do. I have to do the work. Uh-huh. And that's what keeps me
1: accountable because I feel like if oh, I do this work, I know what's going to happen. It's the combination of having clarity of vision. So not, you know, not having, and we talk about this so much. Mm-hmm. And it's, I love bringing new people on the show and the same shit gets repeated because the listeners and the, and the viewers at some point are gonna have to go, fuck, this is not coincidence anymore. Yeah, But it's the combination of clarity of vision so not being airy-fairy and, you know, I'm going to accomplish this, but not, be, not, having specific, uh, not having specificity behind it, not having clarity behind it, being able to say this is what I'm going to accomplish and it's going to happen within, like you said, I'm going to place top three in my first two pro shows. I'm going to qualify for the Olympia within the first two years. I will place top five at the Olympia. It's like you know exactly what it is yeah. with a lot of clarity and then also having an appreciation for the journey and not being afraid of doing the work and there'll also
2: be some sort of percentage of not being delusional as well like I, as as you said before yeah. i knew one i wasn't worthy because i know i'm not i look at i look at it from outside the box as well like as yeah. if someone else is looking at me yeah. i've got an eye for the sport i know yeah. that i still need to work on my back i know i still need to work on my chest mm-hmm. i know i i'm not delusional i'm not some You've got realistic five expectations, three guy guys right? saying, I'm going to play for the Chicago Bulls. Like yeah. I say that to my athlete. Yeah. My athlete's like, you have to... Yeah. This belief is in, integral and everything, but you have to be realistic. Mm. Well, like it's always, always you know, been
0: that many times about smart goals. Yeah. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic. Realistic, realistic is a big yeah. figure because
2: there's a lot of guys that want to be the best mm. and I'm never going to be crushing on one's And mm. It's very hard, I find some lately guys come to me, I want to be a 212 pro and yeah. I'm looking at them. Like you don't have the structure. Like yeah. you, you're too, your clavicle width is too, is too narrow. You, mm-hmm. you don't have the muscle insertions. You don't have the if I'm picking them apart yeah. and they've got a weight issue. And yeah. I'm like with that, I just, I just got it. I just fell into this sport when I was, I just didn't realize that I was just genetically gifted. Mm. And after a million people telling me, including mm. Sean Roden, told me in 2015 that I, that I was Olympia worthy when I wasn't just, just, just getting into my strides as a good amateur. Yeah. He told me 10, 15, he's like, he put one day, he goes, man, you're Olympia worthy. Your physique is Olympia worthy. If you just keep doing what you're doing, you'll make the Olympia one day. Mm-hmm. And after so many people had told me that I just believed it. So mm-hmm. there has to be, has to be a realistic thing. Yeah. I realise I do have the structure. I am yeah. clav. My clavicle width is wide. My frame is built for the two I've got round muscle bellies. I'm like, a I do have everything going. I just have to put the work in and I'll like, get the like result. Like I said
0: before, if you know that, all right, I'm going to turn pro, or you turn, you're you going to turn pro and then you're going to place top five in the, in, in the next two years, the other thing that does is it gives you motivation and it also gives you a reason for doing what you're doing and it gives you a process for what you need to do. All right, to get to this stage, I need to do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. It gives you a correct direct path of, of, the things you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it keeps you accountable to, to do that, to train, to do your cardio, to, to stick to your diet. Um, which we said is if people don't have goals is, is then they've got nothing to work for. Yeah. Like your average person, especially, um, if, if they've just don't have something set, they don't have a time, time bound goal that they want to yeah. do or, or they've, they, even if it is that they want to be, have a six pack by summer. Yeah whatever that may be, if you don't have that goal, then, then you're really just walking blindly or
1: it's training funny. blindly. It's funny, so I, I have this little trick that I use, um, not just with men's physique, bodybuilding, but I'll use it in all areas of my life, is I try and get to a point with my vision and my clarity behind my goals and what I wanna achieve. I try and get to a point where I actually convince myself that it's already happened. Yeah. So that I can I can feel what it feels like yeah. and I know what it feels like. And I'm like, that goal that I'm trying to achieve, obviously it has to be realistic and I have to have awareness around it. So I'm not going to set stupid fucking goals. Smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic time bound. It has to be realistic. But I get to a point where I'm so convinced that it's going to happen, that in my own mind it's already happened. It's funny you say that, man. I was in the gym a week ago. One of my athletes,
2: Kenny, he's a a 60-year-old guy that I prep. And he goes to me, Aaron, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I just love speaking to you, man. I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? (laughs) He goes, goes, you're the most motivating talk person. Talk to ever. He goes, every time I talk to you, he goes, it's like you're so enthusiastic. He's like, it's like you already know that you're going to – you're going to achieve greatness. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, and he's like, it's just oozing out of you when you are And I, I didn't yeah. mean to be like this. So I was just yeah. talking about the Olympia. Yeah. And I was like, I told him, I said, I'll be top five for the next year or two. And, I, and he goes, the way you say it, it's like, he's like, it's like, you know, the future. And I'm like, I said, like you just said, and I'm like, Oh, it feels like that. I do. Yeah. I truly believe. And when I said, I said it, Kenny, when you truly believe that, yeah. if you can somehow trick your mind and just to truly believing it you. You're, you're, it becomes easier because you're like I'm just going to do what I have to do and then it's going to happen
0: that's what we said last week about visualisation and it's not just the step of alright I can see myself on the stage but it's actually mm. picturing yourself standing on the and I'm sure you've done it actually fucking picturing yourself standing there Fifth, yeah. top five on the Olympic stage. Think, for me, I'm like it. Actually,
1: it's happened. Yeah. It's actually in the past. But it's not just That's like, how I like. I go and the it next feels good st- when you're like, watching it. That's in the future, and I know what it feels like. It's like it's actually already happened. <laughs> mm. And 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 now the, all I have to do is do the work. This because what this I, already happened.
0: This is what it felt like it was a great night. We had uh, pizza for dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you have to be, which I was said before. You have to
2: be. Like I say about being a dreamer, but you have to be really creative in your head. How how creative can you be? Like, can you, I can really feel that. I've visualized that. I've had the vision so many times, like mine now, even making top six. And the whole of Australia watching, knowing that the sixth place is the highest place an Australian's ever got. And the moment of them calling, I've visioned this already, them them calling sixth place and it's not my name. Mm. So knowing that I'm fifth, Mm -hmm. minimum. Mm -hmm. And then even getting top three, and having one of the medals, like I've envisioned that a million times, you know, yeah. and I can almost feel it. Like it's so real. And, I'm, and I sit there sometimes in like in the middle of the day, randomly somewhere at work, just start smiling.
1: Yeah, mm. And I'm like, I can feel it, man. man. I'm really yeah. creative
2: in my head. I will yeah. do it through the middle of leg sessions and yeah. stuff when I really yeah. need to be go to another level. Yeah. I'll go to a place and it's so realistic in my head. And you've got to be really creative and it's like so vivid that... Mm. You know, and it just helps me. I think oh, that's, that's going to happen, that's gonna happen. it's going to happen. And then I just you, keep going. You, yeah,
1: you, you, know? you know, when you get those moments where you're like you catch yourself thinking, you just like a little smile pops out the side. That's when you know what it feels like.
2: I'll start giggling sometimes to myself. My, my, my <laughs> missus thinks I'm crazy. Like, I've had weeks, 100%. two weeks out when I'm literally dying, man. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm just, I'm going to die. I'm yeah. so tired. Yeah. And I'll be in, like, the pantry or something, like, just daydreaming, like, just standing there yeah. flaccid, like, whole body. Yeah. And, my, and then I start giggling to myself. Yeah. And my missus is like, why are you laughing? Mm. And I'm like, I just start laughing to myself. And I just think this sport's, uh, this, this sport's mental. Like, then yeah. I, I just start I've gone crazy, but I've giggling to myself because I know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. And she's and she thinks I'm a nut because I'm starting.
1: And, the, you know, the difference is, man, because like there, there is a difference between someone who's just a fucking dreamer and you're like, mate, you are all talking, no action. Yeah. But then someone who gets what we're talking about, where it's that clarity of vision, that 100% belief, that knowing what it feels like, that getting to the point where it's already happened and now you just have to do the work. And it's almost like, you know, you said that, that um, client of yours at the gym where he just loves, he says he loves talking to you. It's almost like what kind of oozes out of you is just quiet confidence. Yeah. You know, and that's what I get from you a lot, you know, because, uh, and I see a lot of people, especially in this sport who are like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And... Like it's all bullshit. They don't don't know. You're just like, you know what, man? Like, I just, I know how this is going to play out. Yeah. I know how this movie is going to (laughs) finish. Yeah. But uh, people will take you seriously if they, like the Connor story, if
2: they look back and go, hang on, he said this before and he did it time and time and time again. Like, when I said, I've said, Mates, I'll win. I'll win, Mr. Australia in every weight class that I do, or that I will win the FedEx, and I've gone and done it. And yeah. every when you when they look back at history and go, "Hang on, every time he said he's going to do something, he, uh, he's done every single yeah. thing." It's almost gets a bit freakish. Like yeah. Connor story is the most freakish of all. Yeah. He even picks how he's going to finish opponents, yeah. and it's like, man, wh- it's that, what's happening here? That. And it's, it's he talks about the law of attraction, yeah. and I truly believe it's real. He's so convinced. I just still can't get over in the fight against, what uh, was the Brazilian's name? During, uh, Aldo. Aldo. Yeah. When he said he was going to, Aldo was going to overextend and he was going to hit him with the right hook. It was 13 seconds it happened. That is the mind, most freakish in his, thing in, in sport his, I think I've ever seen, man. How his, could you even, he said he yeah. was going to do it. So yeah. how could Aldo not yeah. know that and yeah. not do it? And he still yeah. did it. Yeah. It's like, dude. And he spoke about it after he said, law of attraction.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. I just, a law of attraction. He and, knew it was going to, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is he got to the point where he knew, it had already happened. Yeah, that's the that's like the next level of clarity of vision. It had already happened. Yeah, and now I'm just going through the motions, man. I'm yeah. just doing the work and just making sure that it's supposed to happen, like it's already happened. And let's say for the some moments that it doesn't go your way, like yeah. you say,
2: this is going to happen, and no matter what, and yeah. it doesn't doesn't go, yeah. which can like it. eventually it. You know, not to keep referring back to Connor, but it's just an amazing story. When he, yeah. he said he was going to knock Khabib out and he got mauled. Yeah. It's not a negative thing. Yeah. Like say you were wrong eventually, but you've, you're still going to learn and mm. you're still going to level up and then you'll just reset your goals and, you, and you, it's not a negative thing. It's not the end of the world. If it doesn't go your way, yeah. like you're still going to become better and that loss is going to still going to teach you something. I mean, like when he
0: lost to Nate Diaz the first time and yeah. obviously got gassed pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, he learned he, from that.
2: Yeah, learned from that. Came out, worked Came on his cardio. Win. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So like for the listeners, like sometimes in my situation to this point, almost, well, I lost against Sam. So yeah. sometimes it doesn't go your way, but um, you still need to keep
1: that focus and keep that belief. Yeah. All right. So I want to flip the script. I want to get away from fitness, bodybuilding, and I want to talk about the other side of your life, um, which a lot of people probably don't know a lot about, and that's the business side. Yep. Yep. So give us a little bit of background to, to that area of Aaron Pilates. Okay. So my first proper job was 18 and
2: I left school and, um, I was supposed to go to art college. Actually, I got, I was actually pretty good at art and my, um, I got invited to go to art college and yeah. I was going to, I was going to go down that path, but my dad was always a trade, you know, you know, old school, hard worker type. And he's like, nah, there's no future in that. And, um, be a sparky. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Dad. So I just did what Dad said, mm. and I become an uh, electrician. And then I, um, he got me a, a job interview at Shinla, which is a elevator technician. Uh, Al- I was an elevator technician for a big elevator company, and it was a pretty good job. Like as a third year apprentice, I earned a hundred grand as a third year apprentice. So it was a, I was like, man, it's not really what I want to do, but man, this is a pretty good job. So from a young age, I was earning good money from a really young age. Like at eight, I was still living with Mum and Dad then, so. By 21, I already had my first house that I went halves with mum and dad in, mm-hmm. but it was in a really nice area. So I had a pretty good start, you know, but I knew it's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. You just do things like, how many guys you speak to, oh, I'm, I'm a plumber, do you want to become a plumber? Oh, no, my dad told me to become a plumber or my mm. mate was a plumber. Like, you, don't, you do shit you don't want to do when you start out because you don't really know what you want to you do. You don't know. Yeah. Not at, like, if, you yeah. Know, if you know what you want to do at that age, good on you, but I did not know. But I liked art, and I ended up I end up letting that that art thing go. Mm. Um, still appreciate art, but I was, mm. I will never know, I guess. Mm. And then um, I did that for ten years. I was an elevator technician for ten years, and it was end up being pretty crazy hours. Like I I was working on night shift, and um, that was sort of where I first started getting respected for work ethic because I started bodybuilding, and I was still working. I was on after hour calls for elevators, so I was doing body bodybuilding preps, finishing work at four thirty. Then getting called back out throughout the night. Sometimes I'd finish work like I'd start at eight, finish work at nine pm, mm. go home, like eat dinner, and then get called back out at midnight, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, all night. Then have to you still have to go over both the next day. You can you can say you've got fatigue and get a ten hour break, but you got to go back to work eventually. And then I was still prepping for competitions, doing that, getting mm. three o'clock in the morning call outs, having to walk seventy floors with a t- with a tool bag fix a hotel that has no list with a fire brigade order and everyone in the lobby standing there at three o'clock in the morning <sighs> and then still get up the next day and go train legs. Like and I know that was where I first started learning the true battles of just pushing through everything, you know, and I, that would that come from my father because he was always a hard worker, like absolutely crazy he Worked night and day. Yeah. he was a builder. Yeah. And he had owned his concrete trucks, but then I just did. It's not what I was the last two years. I was not happy. I was miserable every day, miserable. And I, and I was like, you know what? It's people get um, what do I call it um, institutionalised? Have you ever heard of that saying? Yes. <laughs> so where they get they um, they say they work at Woolies or something, and they're too afraid to leave, but they hate their job. Uh huh. But you've got to take the leap. I, I won't say a name, but one of my close mates is is a bit up. Uh, I'd say miserable at the moment with his job. Yeah. But he and he earns good money. Same situation. I was earning good money. I was earning up to at that point. I was like earning 130k a year. Yeah. Easy job, car, fuel card, but I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And I say to my missus, and I was, I was literally depressed at some point. Almost like to the point where I have to go to a doctor. I was literally depressed. Yeah, I was, every day just miserable. And and then I, I got to the point. It's got overwhelmed. I'm like, I I'm like, no, stuff this. I can't do this anymore. I don't care if I have to take a pay cut or I'm jobless. I'm not doing this. So I left. And then I did nothing for three months. At one point, I was jobless, and then I was like, oh, what have I done now? <laughs> <You> know, and <laughs> then, then I was sets like, in. I was lazy. Oh no, I actually got redundancy. Like, yeah. I asked, uh, they, they, long story short, I applied for it, and now uh, I got it. Mm-hmm. So I got a payout. You know, it was like 70 grand, to be honest, mm-hmm. which is... Fair bit. And, I, and I made stupid decisions when I was young like 70 grand I thought yes I'm going to go just bodybuild every day <laughs> and I had a house that yeah. I was on my second house at that point point. Yeah. Um, and I was just training and I was like oh, I'll worry about a job next week next week that was a stupid decision I should have applied I look back at that was a dumb decision in my life I yeah. could have done I could have of leveled up so that. drastically if I went yeah. straight into another job yeah. I could have banked 60 of that cap money and, and leveled up really good. Mm. I ended up, I ended up blowing most of that money. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I was, I don't know what happened to it to be honest. And then, um,
1: <laughs> it it, <disappeared>. luckily, <laughs> thank
2: God in that time frame, I, I did, um, I finished my personal training course, which I had always hummed and hard with. I did here and there and I would come back to it and I finished that. So I did something productive mm. and then I, I did some um, training as a, to drive a aggie concrete truck because mm. my dad did had trucks for like twenty years. And I was, but I always thought, ah, dirty concrete truck. I don't want to do that. But then um, eventually, finally, I ended up going forward with the concrete trucks. I finally bought a concrete truck, and I was on the bones of my ass by the time I started the truck. I had no, like no money, yeah. and I looked back and think, what did I do with that money? It was just a stupid time in my life, I made dumb decisions, and then I just grew in that. I got concrete truck, and Dad had thirty of them. Mm-hmm. So within two year period, which is pretty unheard of um, with the other guys that drive concrete trucks, I had f- up I got four trucks in the end, two in Sydney, two in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Then that started going really well. Then uh, at the same time, this is all happening, I was winning more and more bodybuilding titles, more and more and more. And then I real then I then I started planning an exit plan. I thought I don't want to because the concrete trucks, I was getting up some mornings three or four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's freezing cold. You know, you're working on. It's not you know, it can get pretty hard it's not a real hard job, but if you're bodybuilding at the same time, it can get, it's pretty hard, Yeah. you know, and then running the four other trucks as well. And I started planning my head. I'm planning an exit plan. I'm going to be like my dad grow the business bigger and bigger and then get out of somehow, get out of the truck mm-hmm. and then do what I want to do. So I had an exit plan. It took me four years, took me four years to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And as, I thought I have to keep winning, have to keep winning bodybuilding shows and getting more popular at the same time. And then I started winning and winning and winning more. And then by the 2017, I finally, oh, sorry, about a year ago, I finally got to the point where I, I trained a kid up, put him in my truck, and I finally stepped out and took the leap mm-hmm. and went back to Pete personal training, but like pretty much like part time, like. And then the online business at that point was pretty popular. Yeah. And then I started the clothing. I started the clothing and the website. Because my mentor, Charlie, said, You're going to be really popular after your first pro show because you're going to, he said, you're going to place top three in the first two because we were convinced it was going to happen. Um, you need to set everything up now. You need to have a website. You need to have your clothing, your brand. You, you need to have a logo. You need to have everything ready for if, if you blow up, it's bang, it's there. Yeah. So that's when I started really getting into it. I had within like three months, I had a website, the clothing logo done, everything done. I was managing the four trucks separately mm. and, um, went into the personal training and coaching. And then that's finally, I can train whenever I want. Organize my own day. I don't have to be bossed around. I'm the boss now. Yeah, Finally, for the first time in my career, ironically, after a year of being already a pro, first time in my career ever that I can, that the sport of bodybuilding is taking, is priority Mm. after my family. But Mm -hmm. like, because I still have to ask my missus when I, some days when I can train because <laughs> they still get priority number one. But for the first time in my life, if I want to train, if I want to go to the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, I, don't, I can do that. I don't have to go to the truck. I don't have to be at Yalla my yard at 5 o'clock in the morning and have to drive to Brisbane
1: and work up there, you know, so. Yeah. This, uh, this interests me a lot um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because and we see it all the time neve is a lot of athletes in this sport really give very little thought to setting themselves up financially to be able to do well in the sport because the fact of the matter is it's an expensive sport right especially when you get you know you're getting better and better you get into the uh the pro league especially as an australian athlete because i mean you know as a 212 pro we have no 212 pro shows in australia so you're gonna have to travel right a lot of athletes kind of back themselves into a corner where they end up working in the industry, but you know, they're not really doing as well as they say they're doing. Mm. They're always, you know, struggling financially just to kind of make ends meet while the stress of being a top pro athlete and trying to get better and better and trying to you know, get sponsorships that we'll talk about separately because yeah. you've done a fantastic job of that. You know, and and effectively, just fucking, they just don't set themselves up correctly financially to be able to do well as a pro athlete in this sport. Yeah. So, was that something because because I'm, I, and I'm trying to get the timeline here correct for the for the listeners and the viewers. But when you started competing and you, you know, you started to have these visions of how good you could be and getting to the top of the sport and getting turning pro and getting to the Olympia. And as that was starting to develop, that vision was starting to develop. Was this something that you consciously in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, well for that, for this vision to play out, I know that I'm going to have to set myself up financially on the back end to be able to allow that to happen. Yeah. Well, f- people don't probably ever notice how, from
2: a, from a younger age, how closely I was watching the people above me and the pros above me. And yeah. how, I watch everything, man. Like I watch how they talk, how they act, their lives, what job they do. And I just noticed holes everywhere in mm-hmm. their game. I was Because mm-hmm. I had that hardworking working lead up and i was taught i got taught i learned how to work hard mm. i look i looked at the current pros and if you look back without naming all the names so much laziness man like just lazy what
1: <laughs> it was just a, i just thought they're all lazy like am i the only one noticing this like the funny thing that you say though is you say lazy right but it's not lazy in everything because you know to do bodybuilding you have to fucking train you have to diet you have to do yeah. cardio so that is like the complete opposite of laziness. Yeah. But what you're talking about, and I 100% agree with you, is it's like when it comes to the sport, they work really hard. When it comes to anything outside of the sport, whether it be career, business, relationships, friends, family, all of that shit, they're lazy as fuck. Yeah. So
2: in my eyes, there's different levels. There's like a lazy-ass person who just does nothing all day and just just goes nowhere. They're like like the bottom of the food chain. And the the bodybuilders that I was saying, I'm like, yeah, in my eyes, I, they weren't lazy at bodybuilding, but everything they put their every single ounce of their energy
1: into bodybuilding, every
2: single dollar of their bank account, yeah. burn all their friends around them, family, just get everything just for the bodybuilding. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that, man. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I, And I said this, I've, I've said this on social media, you could find statuses from year from 2015 I was like, I'm gonna be one of the first bottles, especially in this country, that's gonna be financially successful and, and a successful pro just you watch. Like mm. I've just seen holes in their game that mm. I was gonna expose on. And then because I was so I just felt like they weren't working hard enough. I'm like, you can there's so much more other time in the day you can be. Why can't you work on a business at the same time throughout the middle of the day and then train at night? Yeah. And then throughout my career, I just these guys were double training doing the double training sessions that used mm-hmm. to shit me off. Mm-hmm. Like train in the morning, train at night, and I was in the truck early and I that used to to piss me off! I'm like these guys in their double training sessions, but them guys doing their double training sessions were on working at sub shops, mm-hmm. and heaps of pros are doing that. They're working a sub shop, happy with seven hundred bucks a week, mm-hmm. just so they could train in the morning. I thought, man. All the biggest stars ever in bodybuilding, Kevin um De- uh, Darren Yates, they train like four days a week, yeah, five yeah. days a week, one session a day. And I thought, yeah. well, if they can do that, I can work my ass off all day and just, just, just do my one session at night, but I'll kill myself in that one session. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do both. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if it takes me two years longer, which I felt like it did take me one or two years longer because I was doing two simultaneously Buying another house, buying a second house, buying a third house. Mm-hmm. Not all at once, but like leveling up. Yeah. And then growing my business because I was doing both at once. And I felt yeah. like I, I said, openly said a couple of times, it's going to take me a couple of years longer. Mm-hmm. But when I get to the top of the hill, I'm going to have both running simultaneously. And I'm going to set this life up. Yeah. And then God forbid, if anything does happen to me as a bodybuilder, oh, well, like I'll be heartbroken. But then I've got my family, which I've got, my, I've got a child, a son, yeah. and a, a nice house and a business, and I'm set. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not... I'm not saying I'm ready to retire, but mm. I've got, I, I can't look back and go, fuck, I put everything into this bodybuilding. I'm sitting there in my apartment, $500 a week apartment with, mm. a, with a loan on my car, mm. broke mm. with nothing in the apartment, mm. no assets. And I'm, I don't want to be one of those guys. Once again, looking when I'm old, I don't look back and go... I didn't, I failed as a bodybuilder after 30 years of trying and I have nothing to show yeah, for it. Mm-hmm. Like, no way am I going to be one of those guys. And no you, way.
1: You know what it is, man, is I see a lot of these, these top pro athletes that effectively what they end up doing is using the sport and the pursuance of a career in the sport as a cop out for doing anything else with their lives.
0: The problem with a lot of people, the, the bodybuilders is a lot of them, obviously, as you've said, put a lot into bodybuilding, but they think that, they're they get entitled. They think because they're good at bodybuilding, they're like the world owes them yeah. like sponsorships, and they think that the sponsorships just should be given to them. And we've seen it <laughs> a lot, even with uh, with amateurs though, and 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 people. Yeah, we do in Adelaide and <laughs> Australia. As people think because they fucking play second at a fucking local, Wollongong. I don't even know. I'm just made up a show, yeah, but yeah. whatever show it is, is they think that because they fucking play second, they've done well. They've won. A, they've won their first shows. They automatically think they need to be given money each week or. Mm. Or, and not do anything in return. And it's the same as these pros, and we've seen it before. Is and we've knocked back a lot of pros mm. for um, that want us to start stock their brands and stuff. Is they think that just because their name's X, mm. that their products will sell, and that's not what it is. There's no work ethic behind it. They just they, they become entitled and think that oh, because I've won this pro show back in fucking 1996, that that the world owns them something. Mm.
2: That's, that's another thing. I I feel like uh, they weren't waking up and smelling the roses. Oh, I was looking at it as an amateur, going, "Hang on, like there's no money in this bodybuilding thing." Mm-hmm. I'm literally at that point. I'm you're doing it for the love. And if my dad said, because he's a businessman, my dad my, yeah. my, throughout my amateur career is like, Are "You sure you want to be doing this stuff?" Like Aaron, there's no money in this, and yeah. I'm all, and I always just said. I know there's no money in bodybuilding, but you have to tr- – I always have told my dad for five years straight, mm. you have to trust me. You have mm. to trust me. I told my mum, when, when I when I started doing well the last year, my mum said to me about six months ago, she goes, I remember you kept saying all those years, you just got to trust me, you got to trust me. Mm. I said to dad, I'm going to create multiple businesses and and then obviously make a business out of being who I am, being respected as a bodybuilder. Bodybuilding at itself is not going to pay my wage because I, I, I looked and I'm like, it's not going to pay your wage yeah. unless you're Mr. Olympia. Even you, if you are, how Mr. can these guys even bank if on that? Even you are Mr.
1: Olympia, yeah, but how like, can these
2: guys bank on that? And yeah. look at the most successful guys. Look yeah. at Flex, who is a Mr. Olympia. He's yeah. got multiple businesses, and he's got killer sponsorships, Monster mm-hmm. Energy, Arsenal, Strength, like big, big, uh, and they're smart businessmen. You yeah. know, most of them. You yeah. know, Phil like had multiple businesses. Even though some of them have gone bad, but mm-hmm. Jay was the best example. Mm-hmm. He had businesses outside of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. He had, he was involved in constructions, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought you have to have many forms of funnels of income to be able to be successful. You
1: have to have a strong foundation. Yeah. You know, and and not just, you know, obviously we're talking about business at the moment, but you have to have a strong foundation in all areas of your life. Mm. How many bodybuilders do you know who have completely fucked up personal lives?
2: Oh, man. (laughs) How many? I mean what percentage?
1: 99%? Yeah. Fucked yeah. up personal lives, fucked up financial lives. They put every – and this is what I'm saying. They use it as a cop-out. They put every ounce of everything into the sport but don't actually look at the big picture and go, man, where is the return on my investment here? That's another facet of – we've talked about being an athlete and we've talked about
2: business. Yeah. At the time of juggling those two things, there was always – there's also a third asset, a part of my life where I had my life scripted in my head mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I've got to have a child mm-hmm. and I've got to – marry or engage my partner Mm. because that's how my life is supposed to go. Mm -hmm. That's how I mapped it out of my head. Mm -hmm. So while juggling them two things, I think it was 2016, I took six months off um, to get my body right to have a baby Mm. because I, that was how I wanted my life to pan out. So that was another thing that, which bodybuilders don't account for either. They're not Mm -hmm. planning for that. And they're going to, they don't do the correct Things to ensure that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and that was part of my life that other people that I. I'm so glad I took. In that, that was when I was at the top of my game. Yeah, I took six months off mm. to make sure everything was healthy, and I had my child. My with my my lever with my missus. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I did that because mm-hmm. it's just it's just another part of my life that's just gone exactly how I wanted to it to go. Absolutely. You know? And I've already mapped that
1: out, you know. Part of, so part of that vision, man. So I've, you know part I've, of that film so play. I, as much as I
2: as much as I've gone from here to the top pretty or pretty fast in bodybuilding. At the same time I did all the stuff that we it we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to find a partner, have a baby, get a house, grow yeah. a business. I did them both sim- all simultaneously. Yeah. And that's what other bodybuilders I find in the new era need to focus on. Don't wreck your entire life and future on a pipe dream that you're going to be a famous bodybuilder that's going to be paid millions of dollars because it's you're looking at a 0.02% chance that's going to happen. Do you really want to put all your eggs in that basket that badly? Do you really want to get a job that's going to pay you $500 a week just so you can train in the morning and train at night? Like man, some guys need to wake up. You need to do. I've showed. I've proved, I've,
1: I've paved the way that you can do it. You can do it. So, you, are, you, are, you are the example. The living proof. Be. Especially you know? in this country. Yeah, right? especially in Australia. So I mean, it's yeah. even harder in Australia,
2: like you say. We're just not plan. this. We just not get paid enough as a bodybuilder, and that's it. Is what it is. No point sucking about it or whinging. It's not going to change anything. You have yeah. to
0: be smart. with it, business. Mm. So I mean, something that obviously. I was going to drill down on you and get you to elaborate on is the construction, is the concrete trucks. Mm. Because one thing like uh, obviously being an elevator technician is, is that's a a job. Yeah. Like uh, you pays your salary, which is what most of the listeners will do. But a lot of our listeners or and people that listen to the podcast want to have their own business. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to, so how did you know when, when you had that bit of time off and how did you get into business? How did you like just elaborate a bit more on that and becoming become your own boss and how you ran that and, and those kind of things.
1: I, I want to even elaborate on what you're about to ask Aaron. I want to go a step back because there's a lot of people when you were talking about, you know, you were um, Sparky and you were working for Schindler lifts and did that for 10 years. And you were, you know, at that point you're earning 130 grand, yeah. but you were miserable. Yeah. A lot of people listening right now and watching this right now are in that exact position. And they've yeah. got what we call the, you know, in the corporate world, we call it the golden handcuffs. Yeah. But it applies to any kind of career. You're yeah. being paid a lot of money. You've got a certain lifestyle, but you fucking hate what you do. Yeah. Monday is like the worst day of the week. Because yeah. You're getting up and you've got a five-day grind ahead of you and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? How did you develop the courage to make the decision to walk away from that and go and do your own thing?
2: It was like a build-up of... Um Combination, I guess, of depression and anger. Mm. You know, like you just keep ignoring it at the start. No, like, mm. this is this is how life's supposed to go. People do shit they don't want to do because yeah. that's 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 how life is. I think I've read a study somewhere about how many people are unhappy in their jobs. It's like it's very high. Most. I can't remember the percentage. Yeah. It was like really hot, freakishly high, like eighty percent or something. Yeah. And I was like, just you just ignore it. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, so and so's a. Everyone's doing miserable jobs. My mate's a scaffolder. He's a concrete. No one wants to do it, and then you just keep doing it and do it to the point where you're so upset, you're so depressed. And my missus was saying, then it affects your relationship. It starts mm-hmm. spiraling down. Your life can really go bad. You can you can take it out on your missus. She sure. you could leave you. Yep. Then then you it can go really bad. It just spreads like a viral infection. Mm-hmm. And it got to that point where me, I was arguing with her a lot because I was upset. I was depressed. And I was and I was in a shitty mood all the time. And then mm-hmm. she was like, "You've got to." do something and she was scared as well because i'm the i'm the main provider of the family mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. then you eventually like i said to my other mate that i don't want to mention his name but who's not happy i said man you've got to take the leap mm. just take the leap and sometimes you won't know what what's at the bottom of the of, of the jump but you've just got to take the leap, man because you are going to want it because it does not go away you, when you get to that depression mm. you can't get out of the, in that job you don't just start liking it again it's that you're done it's finished you've got to move on so you either go back to uni or you start studying something else. Do multiple things. Mm-hmm. You have to do something, and you got to just take the leap. And even if it means at some point, it was, even if it could possibly mean at one point, I said, "Well, let's sell the house." Yeah. Because we're gonna, we might need a bit of um money back because I might be struggling for six months. But I had to do it. It was that was what we were looking at because mm-hmm. I had equity in the house. I probably had over hundred grand equity, so I could have had a whole year off if I wanted to. Yeah. I was like, that was what I was, I was looking at at one point. I was like. But then I got, this, I got the payout, the $70,000 payout. So that was why I, I leaped to that opportunity. Yeah. So I guess at that point, when, if anyone's in that position, if opportunity comes, it might come for a split second, but you have to jump on it. Because mm. I I was a, I was in that depression thing, and then the bank $70,000 payout uh, uh, redundancy came up. Mm. That was my fork at the road. Imagine if I didn't take that. I could probably still be stuck but there most, now.
1: And this is the thing, man, is most people wouldn't.
2: And I didn't know what I was doing when I took it. I had yeah. no idea what was... Yeah. Moose was like, "Where are you going to go?" Yeah. My mum and dad were freaking out.
1: They were like, so, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do?" And I was like, yeah. okay. "I don't know." This is this is perfect because the the three things that and and this is where you talk about just taking the leap, right? But a lot of people will get to this point, you know, even if there is like a redundancy, there's an opportunity, right? There's yeah. an opportunity to take to, to for the and and it always happens, right? Yeah. When you're miserable and you're not enjoying what you're doing opportunities come and they just smack you in the fucking face. Yeah. Most of the time people don't even see them. Yeah. But in the instance where they do see them, there's three things that stop them taking the leap. The first one is the fear of failure. Yeah. The fuck is going to happen if I do this and it doesn't work out? The second one is the fear of other people's opinions, Yeah. friends and family in particular, Mom people Dad, you care yeah. about going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. The third one is self-doubt is... I'm not even sure that if I walk away from this, I can actually make something happen. Yeah. So how did you get over those three things?
2: Well, you hear so many times of guys that have gone out and started their own clothing company and and they've just gone... I'm going, I'm doing it, and if this fail time and time again, mm-hmm. I've seen that, and I'm like, my life was starting to look like that, and I was mm-hmm. like, it's look, like, it's like those stories you see where people are unhappy or they they get fired or they they turn into drug addicts and they mm-hmm. they fail first, and I thought I was I was at the point of depression where I just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. When you get to the point where you literally don't, you hate your life, mm-hmm. you literally hate. I thought, like, well, can't get any worse. I did not mm-hmm. care about any money anymore. Yeah. I am not happy. You've already and happiness failed. is the goal, like. Yeah. In the end of life, really, like as much as we have our achievements, the ultimate goal is just to be happy. It's right. not really to be rich. Yeah. What What is it to be rich if you're not happy? It's mm-hmm. like, like I said, like back then, 130 grand was a – there'd be other guys going, what, you're crazy, man. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? But I just wasn't happy, man. Mm-hmm. So no one's going to understand that but me. Mm-hmm. So I was just pushed to the point. I'm like, I don't care what happens. Let's just do it, you know. Yeah. And it's the scariest feeling ever.
1: So it's almost like what, what helps you get over those three fears is you almost have to like hit, and I like to use the term, but for lack of a better term, you almost kind of have to hit rock bottom yeah. where you're just like, I'm that, f- like I'm you know, miserable or angry or pissed off or frustrated or whatever it is yeah. that you're just like, you know what, fuck, I've, I've, I've already failed. Yeah. Like, what am I afraid of? You know, What am I afraid the, yeah. of what other people think? Because I'm not happy right? I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. And other people's opinions really don't, they have zero bearing on my happiness, zero bearing on my fulfillment. So fuck what other people think, even when it's friends and family. And that's the most difficult one because you can do that with, you know, people on social media and, you know, people at arm's length. But when it's close friends and family giving you those opinions, that's where it becomes really difficult. Yeah. But you have to get to the point where you're just like, it's my life. Mm. And I really don't give a fuck.
2: I just started reading a book and you see that book it says and it's called it as The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. I think I've read the first right. two chapters. Yeah. That's sort of like what it's like. Get to the point where you're like, you know what? I don't give a fuck anymore. I, I am miserable. Nothing else is going to fix this. I'm yeah. going to take the leap. And it's just that's.
1: Well, it's a, it's a difference. And and Mark Manson, who's the author of that book talks in that book. I've read it a couple yeah. of times now. He talks about, it's not, it's not actually about not giving a fuck. It's about what you give a fuck about. And what happens is that you get to the point where the only thing you give a fuck about is your happiness. And, happiness, your yeah. and therefore you have no more fucks to give about failing, about other people's opinions about self-doubt and all the other things that prevent you from doing what it is you actually want to do.
2: Yeah. So when I took the leap, I wasn't trying to make money. Yeah. I I obviously wanted to make money, but I just, I just wasn't happy. So I I just took the leap and I was like, oh, I better, I I better start, I was treading water. I better start doing something real quick now. Yeah. It wasn't about, it wasn't about more money ever.
0: I, I was just, yeah, I just, I was miserable. So I mean, I guess that comes back to work from there. You've taken the leap. How did the concrete trucks come around like how did like i mean when you a lot of people think about business obviously the people think is the, the the simplest solution of of start a pt business or start a clothing mm-hmm. company and we see fucking 10 clothing companies start a week <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. how did that do was start it, a supplement company yeah, yeah well, you know, so <laughs> program, man i
2: planned a clothing company for five years straight yeah i started playing clothing because i've had like seven clothing sponsors man i've had a lot of clothing sponsors and i've loved clothes so i started that but i was like yeah i was like man that's flogged out that industry mm. Um, I don't want to do that, but I mm. planned the clothing company thing a million times over for like since 2014. Mm. But I just thought, what do I, what do I love to do? And it was training, so that, that, that's where the PT thing came. I yeah. feel like I better finish this course, man. Yeah, so I finished that, and then once again, opportunity arose, and dad's like, Look, I can get you and I can get you a contract at the highest earning concrete plant on the Gold Coast in Yukon, I can get you in there. And opportunity came again. Same thing when I left school, same thing, you know, opportunity came and I thought, oh, here we go. So, and I thought, look, I, look, I thought, look, on, look, at my dad. He's got 30 trucks. He doesn't even need work in the truck anymore. Mm. So I, I jumped at that opportunity, did both at once. And then that luckily for him, I guess I, I got into that. And then I, I had the aspirations of growing that to the point where I can get at, back out of it again. And then simultaneously while that happened, I started becoming popular and popular, in, more and popular bodybuilding and, and, um, set that company up and moved out because mm. once again I wasn't unhappy I was never nowhere near unhappy driving the concrete truck but it was, I thought I can't it's too hard I, I was working my ass off of it and I I was doing it but I thought can't do, I can't do it I'll cut this forever mm. people were saying to me all the time how can you get up 3 o'clock in the morning on the treadmill for an hour and then go to work in the freezing cold drive concrete trucks till 4.30 come home see your son for half an hour go to the gym come home he's in bed and then repeat every day. And I thought, I can't do this forever. This is a short-term thing, you know. Mm. So you got to plan an exit plan. So.
1: There's one final thing that I want to talk about yep. before we wrap this up. And, and we could, man, we've been going over an hour already. We could, talk, yeah. we could talk for multiple hours on this podcast. So we're definitely going to have to get you back. But this has been an amazing uh I think introduction to, to Aaron Pilates, and I've learned a lot as well. Like I, obviously, I, you know, I know you pretty well, but yeah. I love, you know, I've learned some bits and pieces too, which is cool. The last thing I want to talk about, um, with regards to business career, so on and so forth. And I think this is going to uh, be of particular interest to, um, competitive athletes in this industry is you have done a phenomenal job of obtaining sponsorships, right? Um, which if you want to be a top pro athlete, whether it's for financial reasons or exposure reasons, or just aligning yourself with the correct company reasons, it's an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Right. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, you even had sponsorships before you even competed, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is, which is pretty epic. Yeah. Um, and, and I wasn't popular on social media. No. And you know, throughout our, you know, we've had, we've obviously known about you for fucking almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when the opportunity came up for you to join Team Massive Joes and, you know, you and I kind of facilitated that deal and there were a bunch of moving parts to make that happen. But even through my uh, negotiations with you through that process and you would remember me talking to you about it, I was like, Mm -hmm. fuck, man, like this is... Yeah, uh, you know, I haven't been able to speak to athletes on this level who mm. just like get it. You just yeah. understood the process. You understood what you were worth. You knew exactly what you wanted as well. Yeah, which is such a there's so many athletes we talk to when it comes to sponsorships who are interested in it's like, what do you want? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> how do you even have this discussion. Yeah, you know, just your your you know, I could te- I could tell that you just you just got it. And obviously there's a lot of experience that comes along with that because you've been with, you know, a couple of different companies and you've seen the process and how that all works. Yeah. But from an athlete perspective, if you had to give advice to athletes listening to this right now, watching this right now, who, you know, are looking for a good sponsorship, maybe they've got one, maybe they don't, but they're looking to align themselves with a company like Massive Joe's, for example. What advice would you give them?
2: Um, yeah, as I said, my first sponsor came when I wasn't even, I wasn't popular on social media or, or um, I hadn't even competed yet. So mm. I guess it's like with sponsorships, it comes down to almost being like a role model and how, how much are you, are you well-roundedly liked? Like when people, like I said, when you use confidence and people talk to you and you're like, man, that guy's a fascinating person to talk to. Or mm. if you can become someone like that, and you ooze confidence, and you're polite, and people just like you. Everyone is like, so like people mention certain names, like well, a name that comes to mind is like Jake Cutler, or even Josh Lenardowicz. Like mm-hmm. everyone who speaks to him is like, man, he's the nicest guy. If you can mm-hmm. become like that, a well-rounded role model, and then you can win bodybuilding shows and earn respect. Yeah, the world's your oyster at that point because everyone wants to align with you because because you're a good person, you're inside and outside body when you're a good person, you can speak well, you present well. I just sort of try to mold it along like that. Just be well-roundedly liked in every interaction I have with every person. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they're left with a positive feeling. Like, man, he was a nice guy to speak to. And like, everywhere I went, I was tr- in my head th- thinking, they've only got they're gonna meet you for ten seconds, make sure that they, they, they leave and go, Oh man, he was awesome. Yeah. So I started doing that for years on end. And yeah. then I kept winning, obviously, uh, at the same time I was winning bodybuilding shows and just sort of just spread after that. And then mm. I've had so many companies come to me before and gone, Oh, we did a background check on you. Heaps of them have done it. And they've gone, Man, you everyone could I couldn't find a bad word yeah. about you. Oh, I said that to you. Yeah, I, did and, and, and I and also <laughs> and, and, and I also made sure every company yeah. that I that I um uh, aligned with that, yep. I, we left always. Le- I never have never left on bad terms. I've always left on positive terms, whether it was because we were leveling up, and I always had a. I never jumped. I, I thought I never wanted to jump ship. Like mm. that, this whatever best offer would come because then I'd lose my um. Integrity, and I would lose like people would you lose respect of it if, if you just jump at every offer? You just, lose, and you burn, lose your value burn the current an athlete company athlete yeah, as well. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. just burn the current company you're with because a better one come along. Yeah. So I, 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 had I could tell you some stories when I was I got offered money as an amateur, mm. and I turned down money mm. because I was sponsored by MasterShushin. I was getting literally almost nothing out of it. Like mm. I was on that front window of the shop which is mm. pretty cool because he like craig cassidy who owned it like just loved me and he And i thought you know what he was my first sponsor when i was nobody mm. i never even competed yet and he took me under, and gave me free tub of protein every month and i respected him so much for doing that and i turned down money from another shop shop he was going to pay me i can't remember what the figure was it was a few hundred dollars a month mm. which back then was and i turned it down man i said i can't do it and like mm. what do you mean i was like i can't do it what are you getting at, what are you getting at mass i was like tub of protein a month, like Mm. sometimes nothing. Mm. And they're like, why not? I said, because he was my first sponsor I ever got and I can't, I can't dog him. I thought he's, I was loyalty and Mm -hmm. I was big on loyalty. And not many people knew that I turned down money for six months straight. Mm. And then eventually the stars aligned and then Craig come in one day and goes, I'm selling, I'm getting out of the industry. Mm. And he left. And then, so he left and then I moved on and I got better sponsorship, but I stuck with him through the whole way Mm -hmm. because of, loyalty
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then after you do that time and time and time again people think oh man he's a genuine loyal dude mm-hmm. and everyone wants to align with you yeah. and then it, it's good and then it got to the point every year simultaneously while i was acting like that i was still winning and winning to the point where everyone wanted to sponsor me i, I could i almost felt to the point where i could go wherever i wanted to go and then that's how people always leaving on good terms always having close relationship with every company like all the companies i've been with like outbreak with terry Katz, mm-hmm. muscle meals with Paul. Epsimos, I've got really close relationships with them. And and now you with Massive Joes, I'm always really close to them. And I guess it just just gets better and better. It's like snowballs after that. And then to the point where you're well-respected and people know you're going to do the brand good, you're going to represent good, you're not going to do nothing silly. And on top of all that, you're going to keep winning. Mm. It's like everything's just... That's how I've sort of moulded it. It's
1: pretty much the same principles that you've applied to the fitness side of your life and the business side of your life and your personal side of your life. It's once again playing that long game.
0: And I, I think on on a company's point of view though, yeah, as you said before, is if you're staying with them for a while and you're just pushing a certain meal prep company or a certain shoe company or a certain clothing company, whatever it is, for a number of years, mm. I mean, people actually know that you believe in that company yeah i mean you see people with a new clothing sponsor every fucking two months or a, yeah. or a new they've got their new discount code for this and i oh, know this is the newest best this is the best subs i know this is the best subs, oh, no, the best subs. It's like well you said that about the last fucking three different brands you've been it, with yeah. Do you know what reminds me of <laughs> a, slu- a slutty girl
2: <laughs> yeah the girl that just jumps ship all the time yeah no one takes them seriously yeah. you see the girl put a status up it's i like love same. this dude you're like nah yeah. no respect <laughs> yeah no respect. And then yep. people know with me, I've said in interviews before sponsorships, I'm like, I'm a loyal. Mm. And then people are like, yeah, 100% he's loyal. Mm. Look at my history. Every sponsor I've had is little years, with them, years. And then we never ended on bad terms. It was because either the company went bad or it was just time for a change. Yep. And we both time mutually but then, but
0: then people yeah. actually do believe what you're saying and uh, it's with your integrity. And people actually think that, all right, well, when you plug... This company, well, fuck you, must actually believe in that company. And then yeah. people actually want to buy those products because of that. Yeah. But That's when, another thing, when it yeah. if you're saying, or oh, this supplement, or but last week you said, fucking, this brand was the best thing, is people aren't going to go buy that because they know you're just in it for the dollars you're getting on the other end.
2: That's another thing. It's not ultimately about how many followers. It's like, to, to, do your followers listen to you? Mm-hmm. I've had, to I'll give you an influence. example. I got sponsored by um, a hair company, Hairline Solutions, and they yeah. tattoo your head. So it looks right. like you've got hair. Yeah. He, um, he said to me, that I made him in one month $21,000 and he said, he did my hair and I posted it and I promoted it. And he's really good. Like it made me look 10 years younger. I'm just mm. being honest. Like mm. but people, like, I don't have millions of followers. I've got the mm. 50 something thousand. Like, but there's, but my engagement and people respect what I say. Yeah. Cause when I say something, I mean, it, yeah. and then, he said his phone did not stop ringing for a month, and he said to me, "It was the best thing, the best decision he ever made was sponsoring me." And I said, like, "Can you put that in writing?" And I kept it, and then he actually said to me, "I want to give you some more money for the, yeah. for the, the NZ Pro." Now he, he goes, "Come down the shop, he gave me cash yeah. for the NZ Pro," yeah. and he's like, "Honestly, man, he goes, I, I, I'm booked out for like two months straight," and I was like, oh, and I was just so proud. I was, I was like, "Oh man, like." Do I have that much engagement? The and the same thing with another man. company a few weeks ago, yeah. Aesthetic. Um, it's a men's aesthetic clinic. Yeah. Um, crowned Aesthetics. And they do like it's a place for men to go so not you don't feel um, feminine, mm. where you want to get like skin treatment or teeth whitening, where men can go and feel like men. Like he yeah. puts a Olympia video on the screen, and and I went there and I did one post. It was it wasn't even a main page. It was just an Insta story video, but I was filming myself talking, which. You get more engagement when I talk into the camera and mm. talk to people. And then he said that same thing. He had like twelve bookings in mm. two weeks just from an Insta story. Yeah. And I was, he was like, "Oh, thank you so much, man!" And like he was just starting out as a company. Yeah. So when you have that sort of people trust you so much, yeah, you know, that's what you got to realize. How can you become worthy? Are people going to listen to you? So they respect you. Um, you can't just be a chick with a big booty and big tits that everyone's just looking at it because you has got a big booty and big tits. It's not you know, you've got to get what what value can you offer to that company? You make yourself valuable. People say me all the time, I want to get a sponsorship. I'm like, well, sounds corny, but they're all I said, this is what they're gonna ask you. Mm-hmm. They're gonna ask you in the interview, what can you offer? Mm-hmm. Do you have a million followers? No. So what value, what are you gonna do for them? It's yeah. not about it's not about give me, give me, give me, what what can they give to you? Are you gonna be able to help them? You know, and then winning shows can help you, like winning back to back to back, because that's going to earn your respect. Yeah. But you ha- there's so much more to it than that. How many guys win shows, but they're just assholes of people and no one wants a bar of them, or they can't speak on social media, or they can't talk in person, they're too shy, or they put stupid, dumb statuses up? Do you see AFL players, professional basketballers, putting up a status f- um, full of uh, explicitives or shit that you put and shouldn't put up? Yeah. But bodybuilders do it all the time. Yeah. Like that, I started leveling up about after the 2016, I really started to stopping and if everything on social media. I was like triple reading before I was posting it. You've mm-hmm. got to be a role model. You can't be posting.
1: If you want to be a professional. Yeah, you
2: can be professional. Act like,
1: act like, like a like professional.
2: And that was, yeah. you know, Charlie Duke my mentor, who has been a really pivotal, pivotal person in my career. Charlie Duke, I, you yeah. know who I'm talking about? Of course. In yeah. Sydney. Yeah. He was like, he's like my bodybuilding dad, I call him. He calls me every week still. Mm. Now, another point I was going to make, every coach I've had, same thing as my sponsors, are like my, one of my closest friends. Mm. Every coach still to this day is one of my closest friends. Never burnt bridges. Logan Robson, Charlie Duker, my current coach, Patrick Torr, all ring me. I see Logan every, weekly. I speak to them all every week. Yeah. So I've stayed friends with them. That that also touches on the thing of being um Loyal. Loyal. I'm yeah. really close. To Charlie's literally like my father. calls yeah. me every week when I'm prepping to watch over me. He said to me in 2016, you start acting like a professional now. Mm. So back then, sometimes I get a bit upset and with other athletes. Back then, I had beef with other athletes when I was an amateur, if you remember. Mm. Um, and I remember. Yeah. And that, but they started picking <laughs> on me first. Like yeah. I don't know yeah, if we, yeah, course, we'll touch on this. We'll talk for three hours. But yeah. they was sort of bullying me when I started winning. Yeah. And, and if you look back at it, it was a jealousy thing. Because They could sense what was coming, of they were winning, and I was coming mm. up the ranks yeah. and they were bullying me like, Oh, you're going to get do this, you're going to get beat, you're going to be. And then I just I ended up beating all of them. Mm. I, I let my my um, wins do the talking, mm. but um, I, start, I at that point, then the child was, You need to cut this, all this crap, online crap out, and start acting like a professional and be, be above this. And mm. I just literally just cut it. He had times he'd ring me. Delete that status and right now! I'm really strict. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Delete it. And then I started evolving mentally. Yeah. And then I really started to act professional. Now I just don't address that sort of stuff but online. I try and, and act, in all facets of life, act professional. And that's mm-hmm. another facet of being a sponsor, sponsored athlete people that people need to take into account.
0: Well, that's a big thing as well. Like, and I heard the saying, if you stop and throw rocks at every dog that barks at you, you never get to where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like and that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> That's a good one. But that's the thing is, like, yeah, yeah. if you start fucking... Just worrying about what everyone else says, or this is a fucking complete different topic. So I, should, I probably shouldn't have yeah, made the been job. Reactive. But because but, <laughs> yeah. we could talk yeah. for another half hour on this topic. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, if you, if you, like you just said, if you if you don't act professional and if you just start beef with everyone, and and it takes away the focus of what you're actually trying to get at. Yeah. So.
2: And if you look at where we are now, all those people that started beef with me, if I, if I find I can name, I'm four names are coming to my head right now,
0: mm. are all still beef.
2: Oh, they're still in, in the other. same. That, no, they're still <laughs> on the same level that they were when we were beefing four years ago and I've leveled up how many levels and then, or some of them have gone even down. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to stay where they are mm-hmm. and they're not, but if, you know, and then you're going to go up, but they're still where they were all them years ago and I've gone up. So you just, like you said, you just got to, can't stop and address everyone that barks. You just got to move on,
1: you know, man. What a podcast. <laughs> what a podcast. I just, uh, I've, I've got, I'm just going to just summarize some of my notes. Yeah. So the viewers, you know, because it's been one hell of a journey, man. We've spoken about a bunch of stuff. but I, I think, feel like this is the end of my career already. Like it's such a long journey. <laughs> and it's is, like really Matt, you only just, beginning. You're just getting started. Yeah. It's like you're a long story get, already. Like, this is the craziest thing is it's just this yeah. the movie. The the script is just at the beginning. Yeah, but it's already a long movie. (laughs) We're still getting through the initial credits. Yeah. Lead actor, Aaron (laughs) Pollard. But a couple of things for you guys, a couple of take-homes that we started off dealing with struggles and setbacks, going through that grieving period, revisiting your why, finding inspiration in the failure of others, and maintaining perspective. Um, And we spoke about that with regards to uh, that split decision um, at the Arnold. Yeah. worthiness and patience, you know, exerting patience, seeing value in the journey, understanding worthiness, understanding that you have to put in the work, you have to make the the small little wins so that you become worthy of the bigger wins. Having this once again, and this comes up, with every successful person who we have on this podcast, the clarity of vision, knowing what it looks like, knowing what it feels like, getting to the point where your vision, your goals, they've already happened. And now it's just about putting in the work to bring them to fruition, tied in with self-belief and confidence. Making the decision, making the difficult decisions that you spoke about with regards to leaving your career as a Sparky. Yeah. You know, taking the leap. How you, how you deal, taking the leap, right? Yeah. And, and not giving a fuck about failing and other people's opinions and, and self-doubt. Um, setting yourself up from an athlete perspective with a good foundation with a good financial foundation with a good personal life foundation with a good family foundation and understanding that that putting all of your eggs in the bodybuilding basket is a bad fucking move yeah 100% yeah. it's a bad move and then uh finally touching on the athlete sponsorships you know and and how to bring value to companies and why companies value loyalty so much and integrity so much and being able to actually influence not just you know having you know a big digital footprint but no one actually gives a fuck about what you say yeah um where companies actually see value and i think the one thing that kind of ties us all together aaron you know the 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 thread within the fabric of aaron pilates is just this crazy work ethic that you have that, you know, there's the and in the industry in Australia, when when you say Aaron Pilates, that's usually the first thing that comes to mind yeah. is man, that guy fucking works hard. Yeah. And I think that we've really uncovered in this, in this last hour and a bit, the work ethic that just flows through your fitness journey. You know, even before you got into bodybuilding, you know, the 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 footy um, your initial insertion into fitness. Yeah. Then obviously through bodybuilding through business, through your career, then through your running your own business, you know, you're just relentless. Yeah. with the work ethic. And I think those, those of uh, the listeners and viewers who follow you uh, will have experienced that already. And those who don't, you should definitely go follow Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Pilates on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and you guys, you know, because you do show a lot of that, right? You yeah. show a lot of the early mornings, late nights, yeah. putting in work when no one's interested in putting in work. Yeah. Um, and I think that you guys can find a lot of inspiration in that. Yep. Speaking of inspiration as well, we are about to launch a new video series on the Master Joe's YouTube channel too, Project 212, um, which is going to be epic for you guys because you're going to get to see a lot of the behind the scenes uh, bits and pieces of Aaron's life that is going to tie in and and really showcase this work ethic that is the thread that runs through the fabric of yourself, man. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you. It's been a great oh, podcast. It's, yeah,
2: it's been good, yeah. It's been epic. Man, could, I feel like we could talk all day. We
1: mm. definitely, yeah. we're definitely going to have to get you back for a, for a future episode because you even need, you touch on something there, that I'm like, man, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. You know, being reactive, being active, how you deal, how rubbish. you deal with haters effectively, you know, focusing on yourself. Fuck, we could, that's a, literally another podcast. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this podcast. Guys, we, uh, we ask one thing for this podcast, for The Massive Joe Show. Obviously, this is completely free. We're giving up our time, resources, so on and so forth to produce this content for you guys. And the one thing that we ask in return is that if you find value in this podcast, if you've listened and you've taken some things away and they're going to help you through your fitness journey or your business journey or just life in general, the one thing that we ask is that you share this podcast. You share it in person, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the colleague at work. I don't give a fuck, man. Tell someone in person. Uh, and one of the cool things that has been really helping the growth of this podcast and getting us charting pretty much every episode now in the top 50 on iTunes is taking a screenshot of either the audio version or the video version. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, taking a screenshot, posting it in your Instagram story and tagging the three of us. So tag Aaron Pilates. It's at Aaron Pilates tag at Neve movement, tag myself at Joseph Mansell, and post that in your Instagram story and spread the love that way, man. That's been helping us out a lot. Big Neve, Thank you. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, man? Hit the subscribe button. There's no subscribe button. (laughs) Aaron, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. uh, It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode 18 of the massive Joe show podcast. So many just, mental jewels that the listeners and the viewers are going to be able to take from this and 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 I just know that this is going to be a very very popular podcast so yeah, just just I'm, I'm telling you your DMs are going to blow up after this <laughs> shit so just be prepared for it's it it's
2: amazing it's all unscripted too like it's just like off the top of your head you know I like I feel like yeah. I can talk about it yeah. that's what I said to you before I said yeah. man I can talk don't I I can yeah. definitely talk
1: yeah. <laughs> no I, I know you can talk <laughs> <laughs> and now the listeners and viewers know you can talk as well Yeah, but thank you man very much appreciated um, and like I said we're definitely going to have to get you back for a future episode to yep. drill down on some things that we just, we just post we Olympia j- chat. Yeah. hundred oh, <laughs> yeah. percent, man, hundred percent. And yeah, guys, absolutely. Um, you know, Aaron's video series comes soon to the massive Joe's YouTube channel project Two Twelve, which uh, at least over the next 12 weeks is going to be documenting your journey to the Olympia stage. Yep. Um, and you know, you are, you are the first ever, Australian 212 IFBB Pro to make it to the Olympia. Yeah. Just to give a bit of perspective. So this is a pretty fucking big deal. I think each week the, sh- the little episodes always get better and better you as, they get get close better and better, as we close in, you know. You get so. better and better. So you guys make sure that you follow Aaron's journey on the Massive Joes YouTube channel. Follow him on Instagram as well at Aaron Pilates. Big Neve. That's a wrap for episode 18 of the massive joe show podcast thank you guys for tuning in until next time where are we coming to and from man Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joes Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joes Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you. From MassiveJoes.com. Stay Massive.